I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Hardcore Listing, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I'm one half of your presenting duo. I'm Stu Whiffin. Sitting opposite me via the means of Zoom is the other third of the duo. It's uh, Christopher William Glasson. How, how are you, mate? You okay? I'm all right. I'm all right. I mean, we've already had a little chat that we're well excited and we'll, we'll <laughs> tell you why in a minute when we introduce our guest. Um but uh, yeah, I've been all right, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, it's been a bit strange on the weather front. Like when uh, there was a bit of joy last week when it was told there's a road out of all of this uh, yeah. this weirdness, and the sun come out and it's fucking freezing of again. It does, and it does it every year, mate. And I just don't let it trick me now. It's like I won't fall for you when you say you've got chocolate down the back of your trousers. I don't fall for that trick anymore. <laughs> I don't fall for when it's March and we see sunshine or February. I, I just ignore it. I almost don't even okay. look at it because I know this is what happens. Well, um, before we introduce today's guest, let's uh, thank our sponsors as well. So, um, first of all, I'm going to thank um, Bang Boom Creative, whose episode we dropped this week on Patreon. So people can go and listen to um, Luke's anniversary episode of 10 years of his business where he has um, filmed some incredible uh, people and things, some good, some not so good, um, which he uh, he really goes in on on this episode and uh it's he's he's just a, he's just one of the besties Luke and uh and yeah bang boom creative just go and go and check them out because uh if you want any kind of sort of photography and and, and kind of high end video work I actually um socially distanced but uh, I attended a shoot that Luke done um last week and and just watching him works really really impressive I mean it's quite unique he does it all naked but aside from that it's uh you know he's uh, he's a good guy um who else uh, do you want to uh, name check, Christopher? Uh, other uh, big naturists are our um, co-sponsors, <laughs> Egg Fried. So Egg Fried <laughs> is a streetwear label. They sell hip-hop, skate, punk, Kwai-inspired uh, T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, trucker caps, handmade denim, very, very cool stuff. Um, Pete, who predominantly does the graphic design, is, uh, as I've said so many times, is one of the most fast working and talented artists i've ever ever seen and uh yeah we're very happy to have them as sponsors um some exciting news of what we'll be doing with them uh in the near future as well we've got some exciting stuff to be doing 
Oh, and if you do discounts. like them, yeah, let's get a discount. Code come on, there. get it right. Oh, Unbelievable. I haven't even started on uh, today's episode, and like, <laughs> I'm already fumbling. Um, yeah, you can get a discount if you type in the passcode um, egg salad when it asks you for a, a coupon. You will get yourself a right uh, now. Why discount. have you said passcode and coupon? Same thing, mate. Same. Right thing. now, now, Chris, discount code. Oh, if you pass. Passcode. Ta- when have you ever said passcode in your life, ever? Oh, apart from when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. When have you ever said passcode? <laughs> Isn't that what they used to ask for on uh, Ask Jeeves when you had a, or, <laughs> um, Yes, so yeah, egg salad. Type that in and you'll mm-hmm. get yourself a nice fat discount. Lovely stuff. Final sponsor? Um, uh, love beer. Love-beer.co.uk. Um, a uh, beer specialist that will either turn up at your house, uh, your wherever, and he'll, he'll build you a bar, a really incredible bespoke bar. What he'll also do is kind of tip you off on what beers you need to be drinking. And not only that, he'll deliver them to your front door. So he will curate um, a list each month. And there's a current um, package on there consisting of five beers, which if you go back a few episodes, you can hear Chris and I and Charles, the owner of uh, Love Beer, sampling them. Uh, and it's special. It's really special. So go and... Um, Check out that. Order yourself some beers. Um, and if you put in the discount code LBHCLP, you'll save yourself some money as well. So, yeah, get some nice clothes, get some booze, and then once you're hammered and you're looking good, get Luke to make a video of you. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, speaking of booze, Chris. It's a nice segue, mate. I'll let you introduce our special guest this week. Well, hello, Karen Swift. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Karen, how how do we introduce you? What is your your official title? Um, I am a whiskey ambassador for SMWS in Queen Street in Edinburgh. So it's a Scotch malt whiskey society. Um, we are independent bottlers, so we bottle our own whiskey from distilleries. Incredible. Wonder. So I just taste and talk about whiskey all day long. That's rubbish, isn't professional, it? Professional professional <laughs> booze hound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. fully trained. Do you balance up being a booze hound by using the word ambassador? Because that really like that almost that, that kind of makes it sound super, yeah, super cool. No. No. Anybody that knows me, no, I'm kidding nobody. I was born in Newcastle. I've trained long and hard. Socially, professionally. Yeah. I'm not kidding anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, um, today we're going to do, obviously, we're going to do top five whiskies. And, I mean, we, we will take a picture of this. And Do you know what? I'm going to take a picture of it uh, now before I forget because I have a feeling that I probably won't be quite as uh, switched on uh, when we finish recording. Um, but we're going to do top five whiskies. Uh, and you've sent us this incredible incredible design, which i'm taking pictures of chris jump in a sec mate help me out yes um I, i've just done that as well yeah you've sent us a, a selection of five awesome uh scotch uh, malt whiskies for us to go through taste smell enjoy on this episode um the last time we did a whiskey a tasting that, that you see that the great thing here karen is that we can't be let out our house afterwards because the last time we did yeah, it see. <laughs> I think it was like about 11 o'clock in the morning we started. And by about four, we were we were an absolute mess, weren't we? So we've got Rob they Gardner. Were, they were Irish whiskey. It was. Yeah, we've got Rob and, Gardner uh, uh, to thank for that one. 
but it was it was that was a great episode and i think that has just set the scene for you know being so excited for today and before we started recording we were just i was just saying how um to let the whiskies air like you requested you know we, we opened them so i've got had all these whiskies just the aromas filling my uh, lounge at the moment and it just it just smells incredible my... yeah i mean that's where i've seen you guys i started bottling them up at eight o'clock in the morning before i went to work and i say like, living room smelling sweet <laughs> they say anything at work karen go and no. quick word with you no <laughs> no not yet <laughs> not yet right. um just to let you know a little bit of what i chose for you um i didn't want to go obviously i work for an independent bottler so you have to be a member to get access to the whiskies so that just seemed a bit niche and, you know, anybody that was listening wouldn't then be able to get the whiskies or get their hands on them. So it kind of, it runs out of steam. It's not that interesting. So I picked kind of five of my favourites, quite selfishly. Um, but I also picked two brand new whiskies that have come on the scene in 2020 because I didn't think you'd have tasted them before and they've made a huge impact from the second they've come out. So brand new distilleries. Nothing's really, I think the most expensive bottles under £50. Amazing. So it's all quite achievable, all quite doable, and easy to get. Oh, that's, Wonderful. that's really great. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. look, I, I'd love to just let you say something else, Chris, but can we can we just drink one, please? Go on, then. We'll, we'll, we'll try <laughs> yeah, one, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start off. Are you drinking with us as well, Karen? Yeah, oh, definitely. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. yeah definitely. Right. So, cheers, guys. Cheers. Are we starting So we've got five... So we've got five little bottles, and uh, well, they're not little bottles. There's uh, how much is in each of these bottles? Would you say fifty milliliters? Okay, right. So uh, the first one, so we taste it, and then you tell us about it. How are we going to do this? Well, the first thing you should do with the whiskey, um, you should have a look at the colour. Okay. If you're drinking it, if we're going to start off right, we'll start off well. This will go out the window probably <laughs> halfway through, but we'll start off good. Yeah, so have a look at the colour. You've got a lovely kind of rich ambery colour coming through. If you want to look like a real professional, give it a little swirl around the glass. You'll see you get some kind of vapours sticking to the glasses. Yeah. They call it the legs. Yeah. Little handy tip, if you go to anybody's house party and they give you whiskey and don't tell you what it is, give it a swirl around the glass. If it goes over halfway, they'll give you decent stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so give it so a swig just... and then what, what about going yeah. halfway if it, if it can get up the... The glass halfway it just tells you've got a really good quality right. you're going to get nice mouthfeel you've got a little bit higher alcohol right. in that one so somebody's giving you a decent drum right, when you're smelling the whiskey mm. a lot of people just stick their nose straight in it straight away right, just done that. and it kind of burns <laughs> your nozzle hair a little bit it's really fierce that's why i told you to open it up 15 minutes before just to let the air get into right. it let the alcohol kind of mellow out a little bit so you can actually smell the whiskey properly right. so if you just have a sniff of it that was amazing. Mm. Yeah. Should get some kind of light vanilla and a little bit of fruit coming yeah. in. I did. So at the best bit, now take a little taste of it. Hold it in your mouth a little bit longer than you normally would. That's just to give your taste buds a head up what you're doing. Oh. That's the stuff. Mm. Good oh, stuff, eh? God. I've been waiting to do that since we started talking <laughs> about this game weeks ago. That's incredible. Since the postman came. <laughs> That's wonderful. So what one is this then, Karen? What are we starting with? This is a brand new whiskey on the market. It only came out um, last year for production. Nick Nuknean, it's called. I don't know if you yeah. can see it there. Um, proper jazzy bottle yeah. as well. These guys... Um, 
have really gone for sustainability. They were quite concerned about how much waste there is involved in whiskey, how much people don't think about kind of what they're doing while they're making it. So these guys are 100% organic. They run in a really biodynamic fashion and um, concentrate completely on the whiskey. But for me, the second it came out, people were going mad for the bottles. It sold out in 24 hours. The first ever runoff wow. that they did, they completely sold out. Um, but for me, it was really, it's a very gentle whiskey, but has a long, lovely flavor yeah. profile for me. So you've got, whiskey has such a long history. When something comes along and just changes the scene of it straight away, and I am nearly in bottle number two now, which says a lot about me because it only came, I only got it in October. <laughs> um, but it's one of those whiskeys you can give to anybody and everybody's going to enjoy it. Really gentle, really nice nose, and really nice flavor for me. Karen, I absolutely love it. I think in the... Um... Sorry, Chris, go on. No, go on, mate. Um, you sent us a, a bottle of water as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when I've been to Scotland and I've, I've gone into, you know, uh, bars and pubs and, and, and all the whiskey, it's always, always seen a little jug of water on the bar. Uh, yeah. And I was always told to put a little bit of water uh, in the whiskey. What's, what's the deal with that? Is that? I mean, I would always say taste it first. Where I work, we serve only cask strength whiskey. We don't add any water to it. A lot of distilleries bring whiskey down to about 40 to 45%, just so that everybody mm. is going to enjoy it. It's kind of been agreed many years ago that that was a kind of enjoyable yeah. level of alcohol for everybody to be okay with it. And I mean, you want everybody to love your whiskey, right? You do want somebody to go, that's burning the face off me. Mm. But with some whiskies, you will find that you get burn along your lips, along your tongue. So if you add a little bit of water, the kind of very dull, big bang explanation for it is it changes the molecular structure. But actually what it does is it just pushes the flavors through for you. So we tend to add water to whiskey just to kind of enhance the flavor a little bit. It opens it up as uh, um, one of my, one yeah, of my, yeah. uh, my niece's boyfriend, actually the uh, co-owner of Wilmer's Cup Cakery, who's a uh, good friend of ours, um, sometimes I go around there and I'll try their whiskey collection, which is epic. And um, yeah. Will will say to me, just a little bit of water, and then yeah. I'll put too much in. And he, he's like, and he's like, you ruined it now. And I'm like, what? That was like a dribble. But he he was like, I gave you the little pipettes yeah. as well. For yeah. We have um, the, our society that I work for was thought up by one radical human um, who is thankfully still with us. I absolutely adore him and hang on his every single word. Um, Sir Pip, he's not a sir yet, but I, I'm going to knight him if it kills me. And we did a tasting with him way back last October and I was just like an adoring yeah. child. And he complained about the pipettes being on the table and said, I don't know why you use these things. So I said to my friends, I'm not using the pipette anymore. So Pip said not to use it. And the next whiskey I went to, I absolutely rinsed it with the water and I was like, I'm going back to the pipette. That's, the pipettes are there just so you can add a couple of drops. And it's like drops, isn't it? It's like drips yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. as opposed to yeah. pouring in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'll find, you know, if you're getting a vanilla flavour, it'll start turning into kind of creme brulees, the cream like creme pat that you get on the inside of chocolate eclairs. It just forces the flavor a little bit further. So we always advise to taste it first though, because some whiskey, it just hits your palate and it's perfect and that's it. You know, and sometimes you can add a bit of water and it can die off as well. So I always say, if you're loving what it's doing, you like where it's at, Continue it's not on, broken, you know? don't fix it. And that's- uh, Exactly. That certainly is uh, exactly. a, yeah, it sound, like yeah. you say, it's a whiskey you can give to a lot of people. Um, you said there about the um, 
like the environmental impact because I'm sort of like more and more becoming um, like this sort of person that you don't want to talk to because I think I'm better than everyone. Like, I'm now a vegan. I, I don't know how much I've said that on the podcast yet, Stu, but it's going to replace the fact that I was a black belt or I ha- I've got a first class degree. I think the new one is I'm a vegan. And, um, oh, excellent. And I do it predominantly for environmental reasons. And, okay. um, and, and I would have never thought that... Um, the whiskey production had had a great deal of waste in it, really, I guess. Well, you might, if you see kind of the likes of Brookladdy um, have started doing it as well. Nick Nian were the first to do this. That beautiful bottle that mm. you see there, you, when you bought it, you got asked if you wanted a cardboard container with it as well. Yeah. That was the first. I knew they were going to go completely organic, but that was one of the questions they asked. And I was like, well, the bottle's beautiful. I don't really need it. You know, and that's all part. That's just the meticulous way that they're doing it you know a lot of places get barley brought in to the distillery so you've got to think of kind of the carbon footprint of that yeah and then you've got also once you've finished with the barley you'll have in the bottom of your mills you'll have like draft which then goes out to farms to feed cattle which is quite organic but still it's traveling this distillery is actually built on a farm So everything that they're getting, everything that they're using is there. They're actually producing 90% of their own energy Incredible. and they're with bulbs the rest. Yeah. And I mean, the beautiful designs that you see on the bottle, they're all, it's fully organic glass, which is pretty much impossible to get. And also they're painted with lead-free paint. So they're really going the complete extra it's, yard it's for it. It's just a shame that they drop them all off by helicopter, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, for me, straight away, you know, I, I think the place that I work for, we don't put any of the names on the bottles of the whiskey. And that's super mm. important because we are preachers of habit. You know, we'll go to the same places. We'll sit in the same seats. Yeah. I mean, I tell really. people the tastings. I even go to the same toilet yeah, in the same, same places that I go to. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when it comes to picking drinks, we pretty much know what we're going to order before we even get to the bar. Yeah. You know, and especially whiskey drinkers, they like this type of whiskey because their granddad got them drinking it, or they like that because their friend bought it when they left a job. So we're very kind of traditional. So my work doesn't put any of the distillery numbers on it, and it's kind of run by flavor. So it pushes you out of your box and stops you kind of thinking, I'm going for this at this point. But for a new distillery like that, it just start producing five years ago. Well, just start actually making the whiskey five years ago in bottling last year to then come in and make such a huge impact in the market it's it's already become my kind of go-to at home dram You've... and i absolutely love giving it to people because it's just straight away you know something different new but amazing. i do feel like i'm gonna have to grab a bottle i think yeah. you should i definitely think you should yeah it's a banging whiskey just yeah, before really we move on to the second one yep um just to, I mean, obviously Chris has touched on becoming a vegan. Um, what's if you had to complement a whiskey with a food? What complements it best, in your opinion? Um, I do this at work as well. I'm, I'm also the food and beverage manager. <laughs> I'm like the Mister Ben of the society. <laughs> <laughs> Clean our cook. No, um, I started off actually running the restaurant first. I couldn't get into the society as an ambassador. So I just thought, it came up for a Christmas, they advertised for Christmas staff in the restaurant. And I just thought, I'm just going to go in and play stupid. Yeah. yeah. And immediately they were like, you do know this is just for the restaurant, don't you? And I was like, oh, is it? Oh, okay, that's a shame. I'm going to have to leave in four weeks. 
I'm coming up with my second year now. So that plan went, my, my boss still doesn't know it was a ruse, <laughs> in all honesty. <laughs> but I ended up managing the restaurant and we did tasting menus as well. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Like people wouldn't believe how whiskey pairs so well, like a smoky peated whiskey. I tend to put that either with, um, I am always in charge of the cheese and whiskey tasting oh, nice because I love you. both equally. So peated whiskey with uh, blue cheese, is absolutely phenomenal it works so well together you know you'll find the smoke will come down a little bit just to let the blue come through and then it'll come right in at the end they complement each oh, other so nice. much but also the same vein, like smoked um salmon a smoked salmon starter with peated whiskey insanely good as well it's amazing the way that food pulls and pushes through with whiskey you know people tend to go for wine and think that's the only thing that goes with it and a sherry cask whiskey with dark chocolate absolutely brilliant and I've done a tasting before where I got the kitchen to make kind of French patisserie and we had that with sherry and wine cask whiskies too because the sweetness kind of bounces off each other yeah really interesting it's really cool to do tasting menus with whiskey and and food as well there was a wonderful yeah. uh, uh, place in um, London in Kentish town called Nowhere Special and um, it would it had a, a menu. It was a cocktail place. It had a menu, and and you didn't really quite know what you was getting because every kind of like um, um, thing on the menu was kind of cryptic. But one of the pairings was a whiskey um, with a popcorn that they'd done it with. Yeah. But it worked. It worked so well. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. And I think the thing is, like, food isn't one dimensional. A lot of different things will happen when you're eating food. A lot of different things complement it. And I think whiskey works in exactly the same way. You know, at the start of a whiskey, you'll get a different taste on your palate to the very end of it. You know, that lengthy flavor that you're left afterwards. Even now, still, I've only had maybe two mouthfuls of the Nick Nian and I can still kind of feel white fruits mm. in my mouth. So, I mean, food does exactly the same. So they work together amazingly. I get really boring when I talk about food. I, I think it's oh, fascinating. Oh, I'm, I'm literally salivating. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Shall we uh, try number two? And then I've got a few more questions for you, Karen. Yeah. Definitely. I'm sorry. So, I do apologise for the glass, man. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like a full measure. That's all I have an issue with. <laughs> so the next one that we're going on to, you'll notice the colour is completely mm, different. Yeah. A lot a lot darker in color the nose for me i get a lot kind of different fruit on this one i'm starting to get some apples coming through a little bit i get some kind of dark mm. fruit also if you have a taste of it it's one of my all-time favorite whiskeys that's incredible i absolutely love whiskey yeah Bloody hell. yeah so this is surprisingly uh, Glenfiddich 15. Yeah. Um, I had a certain amount of snobbery when it came to Glenfiddich. I'm ashamed to say it. <laughs> one of my nearest and dearest friends is a brand ambassador. So second he hears this, I'm going to get booted. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I worked, I've worked in whiskey bars for a long, long time, you know, and I always kind of thought of Glenfiddich as just being, you see it everywhere. It's airports, every single bar you go to, everybody knows it. And it was just something that I really ignored. My job, I always thought, was to find people something new, something exciting. You know, they've come to Edinburgh or they're whiskey fans. It's like, okay, you like that, but I'm going to find you this. That was kind of always what I was looking to do, find them something new and exciting. But um, I had training with a brand ambassador from Glenfiddich, and he actually made me feel so ashamed. 
is firstly I didn't realize it's one of the few distilleries which is still family owned but family run so all of the decisions in this distillery are still made by the family very organically done very small like yes we will use that cask no we won't do that that's a stupid idea whereas a lot of people still may keep a distillery in the family but they won't be working in it they won't be making decisions you know they'll just be taking some of the coin and having a lot in the house yeah exactly exactly but they Every single little bit is meticulously looked after. And the one thing that they are interested in and the one thing that drives everything that they do is your enjoyment of that spirit. And at the time I was just thinking, God, it's so, it's such a big organization, but it's just such a small thing that's at the heart of it. That's all they care about. Every single person that drinks it enjoys every single little element that they've put in. If you, t- if you tie um, your business <laughs> ethos back to one thing, it, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of makes the whole thing an easier thing to manage, doesn't it? Because you're keeping it yeah. simple, really. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't, I wouldn't have believed before from something that big that you no. see in every, yeah. you've seen adverts, you know, they sponsor big international festivals and stuff yeah. like that, sporting events. You would expect it to just be so big and so sterile that nobody actually cared. But every single little detail, even to the point of the cask that it goes into, how it's dealt with, they're constantly looking at it all the time just to make sure that people like us sit with a glass and go, man, that's good. You know, and it's it's a beautiful thing. I absolutely love it. This whiskey in particular, um, the Solera cask, the name of that comes from when they went over to Jerez in Spain. That's where your sherry casks yeah. come from. You noticed once they got into the sherry houses, the sherry bodegas were actually taking casks and placing them on top of each other yeah. and filling from the top and letting the sherry run through all of these casks to get extra maturation and extra flavour coming from the wood. So they were like, that's a brilliant idea. Why don't we do that? So that's exactly what they've done with this cask. This is American oak barrels and sherry barrels, which is put into a massive Solera vat. And it goes in there and gets extra maturation. So in hindsight, it's filled from the top exactly like the sherry barrels are. And then the bottles are filled from the bottom. So what you're getting is not really 15 year old, it's way older. And it comes in at about 35 pound a bottle. Wow. You can get it in supermarkets and it's it's absolutely so, amazing. I this is, oh sorry, sorry to interrupt there, Karen. I, it's just yeah. funny because like Glenfiddich, so my, my history, my, my story with whiskey was um fifteen years old, something like that, when we'd all go around each other's houses and we'd raid a cabinet of alcohol, right? And you'd you, you know, you'd get you drink whatever, you'd all end up feeling quite ill because you were just young, you were stupid. And I remember um, a few friends having a few, and these these were terrible whiskies. And I'm not gonna name I'm not gonna name the brands, but I remember trying some whiskey back then. And until I was 28, didn't look back at whiskey. I, I was just like, whiskey is not for me. I, I always thought it was cool until I tried it. And then I went to America, went to Vegas, and we were amongst all the other wild stories that we've probably told on this podcast at one point or another the one other thing that i discovered there was at a, um, a 21's table my friend said you've got to have a highball and that was you know so that's just um it's whiskey with uh is it ginger ale i believe it's ginger ale ginger ale soda, soda yeah and um and that was it obviously it was mixed with you know something to make it more palatable but after that, I remember coming home and thinking, I quite like whiskey. And it was Glenfiddich that I bought. 
and that was it like it absolutely cemented my whole thing and it wasn't it wasn't like you know like the a premium bottle like 35 i wasn't get, getting the cheapest whiskies in the supermarket or whatnot i was getting like the the standard glenfiddich and i loved it and i couldn't believe how my whole relationship with uh whiskey changed on that and so yeah. yeah when you when you showed me the bottle there i was like yeah okay that makes a lot of sense to me it's a quality whiskey it's um it's a terrible thing how most people are introduced to whiskey yeah. in all honesty i mean my granddad was responsible for me i've got cousins and siblings and i'm the youngest one and none of them liked it so i think he just was like you're getting it and you're gonna like it so i was hammered with it absolutely hammered with whiskey until I did like it. <laughs> but the amount of people, even as adults that come into bars and say, okay, get them a little Freud 10, you know, this really medicinal smoky whiskey and say, it's his first whiskey he's ever had. And I'm like, no, don't no, do that. Yeah, That's exactly. not, that is not the way to go, you know? So it either starts with somebody pushing something really like heavy on you that you can't deal with and you go, I'm not going back. Or it's it starts off nicked from somebody's dad's drinking cabinet <laughs> and absolutely battered and not being able to face it you know <laughs> I remember last summer at my work I was trying to forcibly make a woman like whiskey again and I actually had to have a word with myself and just go let it go Karen she's not going to be okay but I got her on highballs so it was exactly fine. that's the the gateway did you so your yeah. your affection with affinity with whiskey started with your granddad yeah. basically amazing yeah, yeah. And, and like so what was he into what sort of whiskies can you remember what he was introducing you to um my granddad had me on it was more blends to be honest with you because i mean back in the day everybody was only drinking blends single malts weren't getting any money put into them at all nobody cared about them blends were quite easy to put a lot of rubbish whiskey together and get it out yeah. we're quite happy to drink it there just wasn't the same following what there is now you know i think now because obviously where cuisines moved on, the way we dine out, what we do is completely changed. And whiskey at the moment is in such a high that it's it's unbelievable. But my granddad kind of fed me, I think I was white and Mackay. Um, definitely had some famous grouse, without a doubt. But then, you know, people, I remember when I first started working in whiskey, old boys would come into bars and be like, do you have any white Mackay? And I remember saying to one of my managers when I first started, I was like, we need to get a bottle of grouse, we need to get a bottle of white and Mackay. You know, you need to have whiskey for these people. And he was like, I don't want to stock that. Mm. I was like, well, you've got Dalmore, which is in White and Mackay, mm -hmm. and has the same master blender, right. whose nose is in for four million pound. And I was like, we've also got Tam Du, which is one of my favourite distilleries, which is in Famous Grouse. So I was like, so why are we not? Right. I didn't know that. And he was like, Dalmore is one of my really? favourites. Dal Dalmore, Dalmore um, forgive me, because I've had it for a couple of years. That was the one that's got the silver. Um, is it the stag or the elk? Um, yeah, oh, it's incredible. It. That. Yeah. that that for me is like my absolute weak yeah. weak spot for 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 whiskey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And if you're ever at a loss, go on YouTube and look for Richard Patterson, the master blender for that. He is the most charismatic lunatic <laughs> and he does a whole thing about sniffing wine uh, smelling whiskey and then throwing it on the floor and then starting again that's his whole way to get whiskey and your glass ready and yeah he's a beautiful character he actually he did some online training with us during lockdown part one and at that stage you know we'd been told it was two three weeks we were just like i'll paint the kitchen it'll be fine everything will be good <laughs> It was four months long, you know, and everybody was like starting to want to kill themselves. And at that stage of like online training with our company chemist, everybody was getting a bit sick, didn't know what was happening. We're in pajamas, weren't even washing our hair. Richard Patterson came on Master Blender for Dalmore and he had a tie pin on. He trimmed his moustache, his hair was brill creamed and he had a full suit on. I was just like, what a legend, <laughs> like even in the middle of lockdown. But I mean, that is the thing with blends. You know, for me, that generation, they're the reason that we still have whiskey now. They were drinking blends when whiskey was rubbish. Mm, yeah. And they've put in the legwork, they've put in the money, they've made it successful. We're kind of piggybacking yeah. on the back of them as regular customers, you know? So in every blend, there's a great single malt. So don't let anybody tell you that a blend isn't a good whiskey because it's just a lot of single malts brought together. That's all it is. I, I, I had a very similar uh, kind of journey that to, to you really, Chris. I remember like, yeah, you know, my my whole family were, were, whisk, were whiskey drinkers, and and my, my, I always remember like, but it would always have been bottles of bells and teachers and things like that, at, at, you know, at my granddad's because I guess at the time it was probably the mass produced and the probably most affordable as well, uh, and so they'd always be like bottles of that, and and they'd always kind of get to the point of that where they'd all start drinking whiskey, and then my dad would always drink whiskey and water, and and I always remember just thinking, oh, I'm gonna try that. And I remember just like drinking it and just thinking, that's the most disgusting <laughs> thing I've ever put in my mouth. Uh, uh, and and but then it, that said, I was the same with beer, at, you know, at that young age as well. And, and obviously, you, 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 your palate changes, doesn't it? But I then think, you know, a lot, I think in the, I went into the kind of the, the, the bourbon and coke phase as well uh, and, and just kind of done that until, until probably about sort of 10 years ago, really, when I just started sort of drinking drinking Irish whiskey neat and uh and, and and just I guess through sort of Jameson's and things like that I'd started to kind of like think oh I don't want to put anything with this and then when I went to Scotland um I went to the Nevis Dew distillery 
uh, and done the tour. And it was really cool because when we got there, they were like, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're shutting. And I was like, oh, man, like we've driven a long way to come here. And he was like, I'll go on then. And he said, I'll take you around myself. So instead of being like one of like 30 people, we got a, like a one-to-one, which was amazing and, and just kind of got the whole tour and then obviously just got to sample it with a pipette of water, bizarrely. Um, and I just thought, oh, wow. And then spent the next sort of 10 days driving around Scotland and just at every opportunity, like when I wasn't driving, just to clarify, trying more whiskey. And and it just and I just never look back. And it's like, nah, you know, as we've spoke about before, really, because we don't really drink a lot of beer, to be honest. The only time I really drink beer is if, if I'm drinking with Charles. The rest of the time, it's like, it's wine, and then get to a certain point, it's like, now I want some whiskey. And like, yeah. It's amazing, honestly. I mean, I firmly believe, and I stand by, there's a whiskey in there for every single palate, regardless of what you like and what you don't like. But there is... Just people have that terrible introduction to whiskey, you know. I mean, I, I was obviously very pliable as a northern girl. I was like, yes, I love it. It's fine. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I mean, I got too terrible. He made me drink whiskey. And then I remember going to my nan when I was maybe 15, 16, you know, just starting to find your feet with alcohol and socializing and stuff. And all of my friends liked very kind of sickly sweet alcohol. They were drinking arches and lemonade oh. and yeah. you know all of like southern comfort and stuff and i said to my nan i was like nan i don't like any of that what should i drink and she was like drink gin and i was like doesn't it make you cry she's like just drink through the tears you'll be fine grandmother's ruin you must have looked incredible in a nightclub what, what's up with karen oh it's all right she's just drinking gin she's fine she loves she, you. she'll <laughs> stop she'll stop crying in a minute show liney that sweet <laughs> stuff. it doesn't make me cry at all like it <laughs> doesn't make me cry but you know but just that attitude, you know, of just get on with it. You'll be fine. I, I'm still, I, I, I'm still a beard. Uh, well, I, I'm not. I, I, I barely touch a, uh, alcohol now. I, um, but I've loved alcohol my whole life, and I'd rather enjoy small amounts now. So I'd rather just enjoy a good quality whiskey or a nice one or two beers, and that's why, you know, it's great when we catch up with Charles or we buy from Charles because it's always just curated, nice quality lager or stout. I'm, I I can't drink like large quantities of anything anymore. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's how I enjoy my whiskey now. Just a nice quality, little bit of mm. it. Because yeah, I can't handle it otherwise. Well, uh, uh, I, I'm still going. Or no, I'm done. I'm on to the next one. How are you getting on, Chris? I've got the tiniest sip from two to 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 finish. Try and hang on to it if you can, as you just drunk it. <laughs> No, I've I've <laughs> saved a little bit in the uh, bottle as well. Okay. So yeah, um, try and keep a little bit if you can, because you'll find as you go on, your palate's going to alter, mm. and kind of your perception of the whiskey will change. Is, isn't will that change. called inebriation, Karen? Is that what that is? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you was going to say save a bit because before we started recording, um, Karen mentioned the words breakfast whiskey. Explain a little bit about that, please. Breakfast whiskey, yeah. Um, Every, my company releases 25, well, 20 to 25 new whiskies every single month. Wow. So as a team, we all sit down and taste them together. That's a very lost afternoon. 
Um, it's a ton of fun, but it's a lost <laughs> afternoon. But um, there's always a whiskey that comes out that I go, that's a breakfast whiskey. And everyone's like, Karen, stop it with a breakfast whiskey. But for me, it just means, um, so the regulations that are in place for whiskey, it has to be, it has to start off in an oak barrel. It has to be in that barrel for three years. And it also has to be over 40% proof. Um, American oak barrels are kind of traditionally used a lot of the times from bourbon. So they give you nice kind of vanilla flavors. You get honey coming through a little bit of fruit. So whenever I start to get those flavors, I'm like, it's a breakfast whiskey. <laughs> and my colleagues are like, but it's also 62%. And I'm like, it's that. <laughs> so I get a lot of tastings with different types of people. And the real traditionalists are always like, Karen, no to breakfast whiskey. Whereas I think it's a nice opener. It's a nice way to start. It's a breakfast whiskey. On a, on a completely yeah. different subject, um, but alcohol related, I at uni would drink white Russians for breakfast. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 there's a little part of me that thought I was being rad. Um, Stu hates that side of me. And, um, but then like, like 20 years later, because that's how old I am now, um, it wasn't that long ago, a couple of years back, someone said, uh, oh, um, white, white, white Russians were invented by a Tsar and it was their breakfast cocktail. I was like, I wasn't crazy at all. There, there was this like um, crazy, well, the crazy Russians are doing it as well. But yeah, so I'm on board for the bre breakfast whiskey. Absolutely. Breakfast whiskey, that's two people yeah, now. We <laughs> well, so if you're, you're in an airport, right? Rules yeah. are out the window, okay? It's 24-hour yeah. drinking. Uh, yeah. You're flying at 6 a.m., Karen. You're in the yeah. bar at 4 a.m. Yeah. You're having a whiskey. I'm having a paint under whiskey. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Good work. That's another argument, me and one of my friends. My friend who works for Glenfiddich, actually, they have a thing in Scotland called a half and a half, which is a half of beer, ale, whatever, and a dram. And I'm, he gets on at me all the time because I have a pint and a half. And he's like, it's not a pint, Karen. And I'm like, I just like all of my drink in one glass. And it's a constant argument between us all the time because he keeps on buying me halves. And I'm like, I don't want a half, change it. So yeah, I would have a pint and a dram, nice. definitely. Good work. Good I think work. a pint just, you know, the beer just gets your palate ready for the fact it's going to have alcohol. That's why when you taste the first whiskey, we always say, just keep a little bit in your mouth for a little bit longer because your taste buds are going to kind of go, wow, this is a lot of booze. You gave me no warning. Yeah. And they're not going to pick up as much. Your taste buds are going to retract because yeah. it's kind of deciding whether it's poison or whether you meant to do it. So for me, my excuse for the pain is it gets your taste buds ready and it doesn't think it's poison. No, exactly. And that, and I'm that used to be my excuse when, it, you know, obviously the common thing of I'm going to I'm going to line my stomach. <laughs> Before I hit the hard stuff, I'm going to line my stomach with uh, maybe four super strength ales and then I'll get on the... Uh, Get on the whiskey. Sounds like a fantastic <laughs> plan to me. <laughs> so we ready for whiskey yeah, number three? Sure. Let's do it. Okay, so if you have a look at the colour of this one, completely different. Mm. We've got beautiful orange kind of... When I actually poured the whiskies, I took a picture and sent them to my best friend, and she was like, what's the red one in yeah. the middle? And I mean, it is that extreme. The you should get a lot more... Even though it's been sat out for a while now, you should get quite a lot of booze still on the nose. This is where your waters might come into key for this one. Um, oh, this that, is that, that burns. Yes, this is a cask strength whiskey, so that's predominantly why I sent you the water as well. But have a taste of it first and see how you get on. This is from 
probably my favourite distillery. It's taken me a long time to actually get to the stage where I say my favourite. But this wow. is um, Tamu from up in Speyside. And they only use sherry casks. So all of your colour is natural. It's all coming from the casks that they choose. And you get a really big kind of Christmas spice, yeah. nutmeg, cinnamon, rum raisin flavours coming through. And it's all from the cask selections. That's spectacular. Mm. That was the one that did, when I was pouring them out earlier, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. That's when my taste buds started going. We'd add a couple of drops of water to this yeah. one because she is, you know. I think it's 57%. Wow, gosh. 58.5. couple yeah. of little drops. Just a couple of drops. The thing with adding water is you can, you can add more, but you can't take it out. So I normally just add kind of two drops to begin with and see how I get on. If it's still burning, I'll add a little bit more. Cool. Yeah, the, the initial hit is, it, yeah, I, I think I need a little bit of water because the initial hit had yeah. all those flavours, but it was quite like, it remained there for quite a while. It's quite strong, isn't it? So, yeah, I need yeah. to sort of like give that, open it up a that, little bit. That water has really, really helped that. Yeah. Mm. It just, I mean, it's not about diluting down the mm. alcohol. It's just about, as we were saying before, I always say it's a really boring explanation, the molecular structure changes. And I'm like, that's the chemistry dull answer. And every single time I say that, I have a chemist in my tasting. And I'm just like, yeah, you guys are really dull. Yeah. <laughs> it just opens up the flavor and pushes through kind of, if you're getting something smaller, it'll just push it further through your palate and just take the alcohol down a little bit to give kind of your taste buds a chance to pick it up. But I, I adore Tambu, I really do. Um, Tambu do this really crazy thing where they get all of their sherry casks from Jerez in Spain but they use a barcode system. Sandy McIntyre, the distillery manager, is my absolute hero. I, I adore the man. Um, and he basically just goes and he checks every single barcode on every single cask that comes in. And if he's not happy with how many times it's been used, he doesn't feel it's good enough, bang, it's out. It's absolutely out. And he has no problem with sending it all the way back to Spain and saying, wow. not good enough, you know? Yeah, really personable. We um, The distillery's not actually open to the public, but Speyside have like all of the islands have the spirit of space side festival and tam do tend to let the public in then and we were lucky enough to get in two years ago i think it was now and they had this giant sherry cask and like they took the bung out of it and he said does anybody have any questions i was like what does it smell like immediately and he's like well come over and stick your face in it so this big german guy had to wheelbarrow me over the top of it because it was absolutely <laughs> massive Put my face in the hole, and the hole was the size of my face. I came out, and he's like, "What does it smell like?" I was like, "Manan at Christmas." <laughs> just, <laughs> just proper strong sherry, you know. And he rolled it over. When he rolled the cast over, there's like this thick molasses that came out the bottom, and that's exactly what the wood is impregnated with when the new make spirit goes in, and that's what it's when it's sitting in the warehouse and it's extracting and contracting. That's exactly what the whiskey's taking in and out, like this really thick sherry molasses. Amazing. And so does, cool. does, does that cause a coloration as well? Yeah. yeah. None of these have colour added. You are legally allowed to add colour to whiskey. Um, it's a colourant called E150. Um, it's a caramel colourant. Some use it, some don't. Um, there's a lot of transparency coming through with it now, so I think it is probably going to get to the stage where distilleries have to name that they are using it. Because, again, it goes back to that kind of, as I was saying before, we are... 
you know, we pick the same seats, the same drinks, the same, we pick them on site, you know, we can see it even with our members, our bottles are green, mm. so that you can't see the colour of the whiskey, because people will just go, that's dark, that's a better whiskey. Ah. So if you're adding colour into it, it's going to persuade people that it's a better age, it's a better flavour. So it, it is seen as a little bit misleading, but the major brands do do it. And it doesn't taste of anything. So for me, I don't see it as a huge issue. But then at the same time, I don't really drink any whiskey that has colour yeah. in it. So maybe that's quite telling as well. Hmm. And I do think in the future, they will have to start saying that they are using colour. But all of the guys we have here today, none of them use any colourant. Yeah, I'd at say all. like if you put it in it, you've got to declare it right. Because for all the company, for all the companies that are achieving that colour through the process that they are, you know that it's it's a selling point, isn't it? You know, it's un, it's unique for the colour. If you're adding some dyeing there, I think you should declare it. Well, for me, it's as simple as you know, if you go and buy bread and you see a loaf of bread that's like white, you wouldn't buy it. You know, it's not got any browning on the, the crust or anything like that. It doesn't look ready. I think it's the same for whiskey personally. My, you know? my dad used to sell. This is so crazy, Karen. My dad's business was based on uh, things called colour graders, which were to, taste, were to test the colour of a loaf of bread. Sure. No. That was, oh, that, was his, that was his business, was... To oh. when we're in in these uh, milleries when they're making all the big mills when they're making their bread, they want it a consistent color, and so mm -hmm. yeah, they would literally test the color of the powder before they started raising it. So yeah, it's it's, it's bizarre. That tells you how important yeah. it is, like you know how important color is and how much it the consumer decides and makes a decision, and especially now because we have so much to choose from. But people do very much go, oh, the colour on that, that must be a better whiskey. I see it all the time at work, constantly, that people think that's, that a whiskey is better just because of the yeah. colour of it, which isn't all the case, because it could be colourant. But I don't know if you've seen in the press last week, Japanese whiskeys had a bit of a change in how it's described now, because um, we kind of went mad for Asian whiskey. We drank a lot of it. We mothballed a lot of distilleries, which means they can't produce. Oh, right. So they were buying yeah, they were buying a lot of base whiskey from Scotland and Canada and then taking it back to Japan um, and calling it single malt. And now it's been decreed that it can't be called single malt anymore unless it's actually made in Japan, which was never a legislation before. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I think that might change. It now has to be called a blended whiskey, a Japanese blended whiskey. Could that whiskey. then change, affect the value of the whiskeys that they're selling because they're... Is it like um, for, for people who invest in whiskey and stuff like that, or, or is it like? I'm not sure how it'll play out because it was only like two right. weeks ago that was actually decided. We, some people knew about it already. I was fully aware that it was happening, um, and I understand it in a way because it just went off faster than they actually yeah. realised. Yeah, you know, which is a great success. But then whiskey isn't the easiest thing to produce quickly. You know, it has to be given time. So I can understand it in a way. But then I think, again, as with the colorant, transparency is important. You know, give people the information before completely, they buy it. Completely. And then they know exactly what they're getting. Especially because you know? this was the one that I was drawn most to. And can I say my lips have been tingling throughout this conversation yeah. since trying yeah. try number three? Yeah. If you go to it now, you've added a bit of water. Yeah. It's had a bit of time. Your taste buds, again, have got over that mm. shock thing. You should get a lot more flavor coming through now. So true, you do. It's fair. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, the thing is, your taste buds, they go into shock and they think, what the hell is he doing? What is he putting in his mouth? Did he mean this? And they just go down straight away. So if you just take a little bit of time, let it open up and then go again, your taste buds kind of go, oh, actually, you meant that. <laughs> you intended to do that to us. And then they start taking in the flavour profile again. Gorgeous. Um, before we get on to uh, whiskey number four, uh, how did you end up getting this job? Sneaking um, in as the uh, foods. I lied. <laughs> yeah. Oh right! Oh, it, it come through being in the restaurant. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. What, got what you, made got you? What, what made you want to work with him? Was he being from like a you know someone who was a fan of it to this? This is what I want as a. Yeah, group. I mean, for me, whiskey is probably the greatest made, made produce that there is. You know, because it has that legislation, which actually we have Glen Leavitt to thank for that. Um, Glen Leavitt were in the age of kind of illicit stills and we're in the area with the most densely populated illicit stills, but we're still trying desperately to do it correctly. You know, they were selecting really good casks. They were using their own grain because he was there. Master distiller was actually a farmer more than he was a distiller. So he was using all this great produce, going through the whole kind of rigmarole and lots of kind of bandits, robbers, bad people, Thieves were making money, making this absolute hooch. And people were going blind. Oh, At one point, they were trying to get polio with it. Yeah, people were dying at the very least. And um, the head distiller actually went to the lead of, I think it was Abelou. Yeah, it would be Abelou. He went to him and said, basically, um, we need to do something about this. We need to bring in a legislation, you know. And the lead said to him, yeah, of course we do. It's completely right. We should bring this in and stop kind of people dying and going blind. Um, but he said, if we do do that, they're going to kill you and they'll burn down the distillery. And he gave him two handguns and said, I can't defend you. And if you actually go to the Glenlivet distillery, they've got the two pistols on the wall. And it was because of Glenlivet, that's when the legislation came in for three years in an oak barrel has to be over 40 percent proof that's where all of that wow. actually came from. yeah yeah so for me when it came to working with a product you know i used to work in restaurants as well 
I always made sure I worked with the best chefs. So for me, whiskey is exactly the same. Everything's made to that process. So when it comes to spirits, it's, in my opinion, it's the best spirit you can work with because I know everything that's behind me in bottles is absolutely beautiful. It's just a case of finding the right one for the person that's in front of me. So the hard work's kind of done for me. That's, you know, and it's done with such passion that, you know, and it's got such a romantic story to it as well. Like every single distillery has a different little idiosyncrasy, a different story and, you know, how it came about. So yeah, it's, it's always been very interesting for me. I used to work in cocktail bars as well and the lads would always make bourbon cocktails and they were really good. So I thought if I use a single malt, I'm going to beat you. So <laughs> that also helped. <laughs> I, I've got, I've got up, went off bourbon years ago. I think I kind of liked it as a, a sweet yeah. alternative, you know, when I was 20, but I can't, I can't, it's unpalatable for me now. It really is. I just. You should, um, you should have a look at Balcones, Balcones who okay. is Texas. Yeah. Yeah. They're knocking out some really beautiful stuff at the moment. My company's actually now going to start bottling in the next few weeks going to start bottling bourbon as well cones okay i'll have a look Um, it's it's almost the same as international whiskey as well you know um i have a huge allegiance with an indian whiskey Mm. paul john um i did a side-by-side tasting with one of their brand ambassador with our bottles of paul john from india and their core range as well and um the unique thing about really hot countries and whiskey is they get really humid really really fast so their flavors go often like a rocket so it's really interesting like paul john we bottle their expressions at five-year-old wow. because the flavor is almost sitting at about a 15 to 20 like huge flavors just because of humidity and we use you know the angel share we think that we lose angel share when we've got casks in warehouses the angel share is made up of water because of humidity, because the temperature is so high, so they don't lose any alcohol at all, wow. which is your flavour profile again. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know if you've ever had um, Kavalan from Taiwan, mm. Taiwanese whiskey. Um, I have had Thai whiskey, but I don't think I've had that one. I've had yeah, yeah. absolutely beautiful. And um, I mean, for me, it's one of the first whiskeys. You know, you read the back of the bottles, and it says that you should be getting like apple pips and yeah, green yeah. grass. And- not getting any of that um it had like lychees and pineapple and tropical fruit and straight away as soon as i tasted it and i was in a really shitty mood because my friend was about three hours late <laughs> and immediately when i tasted it it was the first whiskey that i got that i matched everything and again it's humidity they use um steel and sterling steel copper rods and cooling rods to bring down the temperature because it's so hot so they get these massive flavors that we could never ever reach because of the the actual temperature of the country it's amazing yeah wow. good reason it's yeah. not going to be a problem in scotland is it no no <laughs> no if we had 400 years uh, <laughs> should we try number four yeah let's Are you do ready, it Chris? yeah i'm ready. absolutely ready definitely so number four um comes from the tiny 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 region of campbelltown um oh hello campbelltown yeah, Campbelltown used to be the most densely distilled area of Scotland with 35 distilleries back in the day. But um, it got horribly let down by the fact that it was meant to get a railway and it never did. And the distilleries of Speyside were all kind of built round railways. And so it just got left behind. It wasn't getting any material at all. And now they only have three, which is really tragic. I know, it's such a shame. It's such a shame. But, uh, oh, this guy, excuse me. Bless Thank you. you. 
This one comes from, um, it's actually from Springbank. Don't know how much you've heard no, about Springbank. I love Springbank, but um, they are totally traditional. They don't do anything with computers whatsoever. They even write down the temperatures on blackboards. It's so basic, wow. it's unbelievable. Everything is still done by hand. And they actually are one of the few distilleries that actually get three different expressions under three Excuse me. From that very basic kind of uh, way of doing it, which I think is incredible. So this is long row. This is long row peated. Nice. Um, smell is peated. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, but the... Um, Sorry, Karen, can I just ask, the, can you take some pictures of the bottles and send yeah, them over as well? Then we can show the, the listeners what, what we're yeah, drinking definitely. as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this one, they only produce it. Springbank don't get involved in anything like big glitzy kind of um, adverts. They don't really push anything that they're doing. It just comes out and they've got such a huge following now because everything is so hand done and so kind of babysat all the way through that it will sell anyway, but they don't go chasing the big buck. They don't really care. They put out mass produced kind of Springbank they stop production and they also do long row, which is the one we have. And they do another one called Hazelburn, which is impeded, which is an even smaller kind of outgoings. But for me, beautiful whiskey. It's kind of, you've got that peak coming through and a little bit of kind of briny oiliness, but you've also got a lot of vanilla coming from the barrels, a lot of young fruit as well. So it balances out really nicely. I like to give this to people that tell me they don't like. Oh, it's, so, it's crazy you say well, that, Karen, because that's what well, I was going to say. Hello. Yeah, like I'm. That's me. I'm not the biggest peated whiskey fan. Uh, when, when you said pairing it with blue cheese, I was like, great, I'm going to give that a try. Because um, yep. I'm not the biggest fan, um, but that I must say, I really like it. I really do like it. If you oh. add a little bit of water to that as well, yet. if you're not. A and of peat, you'll find it like the white fruits start coming through a bit more. The vanilla become a little bit more pronounced as well. I'm I'm looking forward to this because I've had a bottle. Uh, I mean, whiskey doesn't last long in my house, but <laughs> that has sat there for so long. That's the only person that drinks that is when Chris has had too much to drink. I give him this. <laughs> Should you not be of... giving me more booze? <laughs> <laughs> but at any given point, like like I say, my, if, I, if I sit down and watch TV and I want to have a drink, I will have a whiskey. But I just can't, can't get my head around mm. it. Yeah. So I'm now all ears as to how I can change my palate and what's going to help that. Chris, I would like to see you. He's still not drinking full measures, though. Oh, it's, it's... <laughs> Out of his champagne flute. <laughs> He's cheating. Yes. The truth is, he's probably drunk the other lot before. <laughs> Do you know what? That's a lot different to that bottle of stuff I just showed you. That's incredible. Oh, yeah, my it's God. Good, it's much right? better. So good. And that's the thing, like, you know, there's so many different varieties out there now. And people talk about regions all the time. And when I first started in whiskey, which wasn't last week, funny enough, it was very much kind of lowlands were soft a little bit honeyed highland was soft fruit getting a little bit richer speyside was sherried and then you had isla was peat you know and there was little mention of campbelltown because nobody cares that there, there's only three of them now and that's kind of the way people looked at it but obviously in the world of whiskey now they kind of know it's an open market everybody wants to drink it yeah. everybody's loving it buying it so you're getting peated varieties coming from different areas you can see Glenfiddich did Fire and Cane, which had a little bit of peat in it as well. So things are starting to open up a lot more now. 
But people have those experiences of kind of the Lafroig or the Colila or the Lagavulin as the first peated whiskey and go, that's disgusting, don't give that to me again, you know. And I think the responsibility lies also with people behind bars going, how much whiskey have you had? None. Okay, don't start with a Lafroig, please. You know, it's going to burn your head off. Yeah. And it is about tasting different things and trusting bar staff as well, because they will find you. You know, there's a lot of different degrees of peated smoky whiskey now. Some are a little bit kind of heather smoked. You get a bit of barbecued flavors coming through. Some are finished in sherry casks, so you get a sweeter finish. So it's all very approachable, but it's about tasting and enjoying as much as you as can. As an ambassador, have you got to like all peated whiskies and not? Do you lean towards peated whiskey? I didn't or? used to. I didn't used to. I was I was kind of more Speyside, very much so. And I still am a huge fan. It definitely is where I sit, you know. But then there is, I think, as you start to, I mean, the best way to educate yourself is to taste it. You know, you can read as many books as you like, but the best way to kind of educate your palate and get out there and taste things is just get involved in it. And I think also working for the company that I do, that whole idea that you don't look at what the names are of the distillery, it works incredibly. Because there's stuff that I probably wouldn't have entertained that I absolutely love now. And I mean, that's a peated whiskey. The next one's a peated whiskey. And I've got about six in my collection now, which I probably wouldn't have had otherwise so yeah it's definitely about the tasting yeah i i agree with that and um yeah i, I kind of like how your company does that because i think it, it takes away any prejudice or presuppositions you have on what you're about to try so yeah it's a great way of doing it completely yeah and i mean i know every time you walk into a bar you know what you're going to drink that night you know but before you even meet your friends you're like i feel like a pint i'm up some bubbles <laughs> you know already so if you're going to go out and drink whiskey which you're braver than me if you drink it right from the start. <coughs> I have an 11 o'clock rule on a film night out. Don't drink it before 11 because things are going to go pear-shaped <laughs> quite quick. We have a friend who's like six foot five. And me and my best friend are probably, she's probably a little bit bigger than me, but not much. We're, we're hitting five, eight max. And we have to put him on buses regularly because <laughs> he starts and he's, he's actually still, he stays with his mum because she's not very well. And she always says, were you drinking with the big girl, the little girls tonight? <laughs> Stuffing them on the bus. But, I mean, oh, that's incredible. What it's all about, you know, it's, and for me, like, I think bottles are meant to be opened, they're meant to be enjoyed, they're meant to be shared. And that's how you find out even more how much you like, you know, it's about friends saying, I absolutely love this, you know. I think you would like this. I mean, especially now during lockdown, Stu knows this better than most. Every time I go out with my friends for a walk, I take a hip flask everywhere I go. And it's like, yeah, there's always certain points that there's whiskey getting shared about, you know, and it's, yeah, it's important. Do you know when what? I, I took, I took, um, I, I, I took full advice there and uh, I went out for a stroll with my mate uh, on Saturday and we got to the park and I was like, uh, there you go. And we just got like, literally I bought a couple of miniatures in like the off license and I went, there you go. And like, and he went, do we have to sit on the bench if we're drinking <laughs> like neat whiskey in a park? And obviously, where we live is not too pretty. And uh, yeah, so yeah, we went we went for the full kind of uh, yeah. We, we we looked a bit of a sorrowful sight, just two middle aged men just necking neat whiskey from miniatures on a bench in a park. But it oh, was I, glorious. Yeah, I love it. It's it's the best coping mechanism ever. I've got these little like um, Glenfiddich dram glasses that are made out of the same copper as the stills. So I look oh, a bit bougie. Yeah, I was I get say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you just see all these husbands that are getting dragged out for walks just looking like Hell. <laughs> I want to be in her gang. <laughs> yeah, totally. but, I mean, you know, we don't have a lot. Well, it's getting better now. We've got a kind of glimmer of hope, but we haven't had a lot to get excited no. about. So, you know, you see your friends, take a drop of whiskey, you know, it makes everything seem a hell of a lot better in my eyes. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Can I ask you, before we <laughs> move on to the last one, Karen, um, this is an Irish whiskey, but what, like, I, I've never tried it, but what was been, you know, um, Conor McGregor made one called Proper 12. I mean, you like being a Scotch, the, the Scot, Scotch whiskey gang. Do you ever sort of like keep your eye out of what the competitors, well, the competitors or what the oh, rest yeah. of the world is doing? What was what was that like? Proper twelve? Is it? Crap? Um, it's not to my palate. I would say. Um, I love Irish whiskey. There's a lot of arguments between Scottish and Irish about who did it first. I think going off record, I'd probably get chinned for this, but I think Irish actually do have record of doing it first. Yeah. Um, it was actually the guys, it's the spirit company that own uh, Jose Tequila, that own, well, that manufactured that. Right. And today, I don't know, I don't know if it's been actually kind of cleared up or not, but it looks like Conor McGregor's been bought out. Ah, they, right. had, they had 20% holdings of that and i think they've just taken 50 percent from him right. whether they paid him or not yeah yeah, no, yeah so i'm not entirely sure what's going on there well, whether he, his career's on the damn but you mm. know like, i mean obviously he's been absolutely you know been trawled I loved with... him. like i absolutely loved him i thought he was incredible but yeah we all did but he kind um, of ended up seeing a, a different side and and, and yeah. yeah and and I guess obviously, however many losses on the bounce. I'm no obviously, yeah, one loss, but then before that, a few. Um, you just think, well, maybe where's his career going to go now? He's not got that untouchable kind of no. marketing kind of angle anymore. And and everyone I know that I've not tried it, but I've not heard a good review of it really? yet. Really? Wow. Everybody I know that. And and speaking of kind of like brands that have, have, have kind of I, I got someone bought me a bottle of the Pogues um whiskey uh at Christmas. Have you tried that, Karen? Yeah. I thought that was okay. Yeah, so do I but the thing is for me the money wasn't pushed into having Shane McGowan as a front man because no. nobody would pick that face <laughs> to front of a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the important thing. He did exactly the same with David Beckham yeah. as well. He died a death. They bought a Chanel bottle and they put David Beckham in a very expensive, beautiful velvet blazer. Whereas for me, do what these guys are doing. Put it in your produce, yeah. put it in your bottle, put it into your, your product, your product and let, that, let it speak you know, for let itself. That. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't take advice from David Beckham as much as I think he's a fantastic guy on whiskey <laughs> or Conor McGregor, because no. both of them look like they'd be tarts in the pub. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah. It was like, for me, put that into the barrel, put that into the cask that you're using, put it into the person that's standing and you're still tasting the new make every single day and making sure that it's right, and then I'll buy it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful yeah. thing, like you said about Glenn Fiddich as well. That just makes me even happier to be a big fan of them. Yeah, yeah completely. Exactly. Same with these guys as well, the one that we've just tasted, the Longmorn, Family Run, right. one of the few. And I mean, I've seen pictures inside that story because they can't get in because they don't give an arse about making money by getting tourists to it and it's literally blackboards you know you go into others and there's this i mean most are complete 
computerized. It makes sense, yeah. you know. You've got molecular chemistry going on, but they are doing everything by hand, absolutely everything, still to this day. It's almost like a museum. It's quite it's, it's magical, that. isn't it? It's, there's a, yeah, beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. a bit of survival of the fittest as well, because as you said, like a lot of the distilleries around there died of death because of the poor rat, the poor links, and yet like the last yeah. few that survived, there must be something in what they're doing. And also, they're not chasing any big campaigns. They're not rushing after personalities. They're not doing really crazy priced, mass produced whiskey. They're just doing little drops and going, here you go. There's a 17 year old that's been in a Madeira cask. Enjoy. And everybody goes nuts for it, you know? So, I mean, that's, yeah. I can understand why Connor's been bought out. He's probably made a lot of money off it. So I'm sure he won't lose any sleep, you know? But. He's not going to be in a ring anymore, winning any fights and drinking at the end. So why keep him there? That's yeah. kind of my theory on it, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Unfortunately. Definitely. I'd love to see him win a fight and turn it all around, but I just, <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen, is it? Should we do number five? Yeah. So number five, again, is another peated whiskey. Oh, I like that. Smells good as well. Oh, that smells quite different. So this is <clears throat> our other... Top recommendation for 2020. This is the Ardbeg. Five-year-old Beastie. Um, just came out at the end of last year. Um, I'm not a huge Ardbeg stan, I'll say. Um, there is a lot of people that are. It's got its own committee, which is huge fans that follow it. And every single expression that comes out, they buy it in its droves. It tends to be a little bit older and very expensive. Then all of a sudden, Wee Beastie came out last year, five-year-old, and coming in at 36 quid. Right. I was like, okay, that's a big narrative. Um, it started off in bourbon cask, and it's gone into Oloroso sherry cask. So you're going to get a bit of vanilla and fruit from the bourbon to begin with. You've got yeah. that lovely smokiness coming through, and you should get a long, sweet finish from it as well. And for me, again, like the Nick Nian at the start, it's one of the most outstanding whiskies of 2020. Right, I'm just gonna. I've just tried a bit. What do you think, Stu? I'm going in there. Going in. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. If you add a little bit of water to that one, because it is coming up. I think it's 47. Is it? Yeah, 47.4 percent. Just to open out a bit of the sweetness as well. How are you getting on with that, Chris? That's my least favourite. <laughs> yeah. the ones that we've tried today yeah definitely it is, it is the peated mm. one yeah i think um that might be yeah to, to yeah it's there's quite a lot of strong flavors coming through there and the peatiness i don't know what it is it's um i can't quite put my finger on what it is it's not like the strength of the alcohol it's a combination no. of the flavors there it's just i'm just not quite um attuned to but you're loving it i too. think that's i think that's less peaty than the last one really Really? Hmm. I, I would try it again, but I've seen the other one off now. That, um, yeah, that, um, yeah, definitely, I, I didn't think that. I felt, found this uh, more recent one, the more peaty of the two. Mm, um, that's good. But, yeah, you're a big fan of that one then, Stuart. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't I would put it above the first three, but um, of, the, of the two peaty ones, yeah, I preferred that. You've heard that one. Yeah. And what was this brand called, this one again? That's Ardbeg. Ardbeg, that's it. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So, this... so, I mean, Ardbeg are known for, you know, Isla, 
smoky peated whiskey. Um, it tends to be a lot older. They brought out the five-year-old, which for me is amazing because we do, um, at the society, it's a little bit different because we're just, we bottle on flavor. So we have spirit selectors who are in charge of taking samples from the distilleries. They decide if we're going to take that cask or not, if we want it. And then they are tasting that cask constantly, deciding if it's ready to go or not. Whereas your likes of Glenfiddich, Ardbeg, you know, your bigger brands will have, they have to make a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 14, yeah. a 6 they They've got the whole range. So it has to get to a certain stage before they can bottle it. We have a lot more freedom because we don't have to meet any requirements whatsoever. So once something's ready, we think it's at that peak time, we bottle it. So we do have some younger whiskies. And some members will be a little bit like, oh, young, young's not good. And it's like, it is, it really is. It absolutely is. So for a big distillery like Ardbeg to come out and make a five-year-old and it comes in at 36 pound. Yeah. Immediately, I was like, this is brilliant. This <laughs> is the narrative that we need. You know, it's really good. People need to get a little bit more kind of open to drinking whiskey when it's ready and there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's got to be down to flavour, right? Not um, just it's being just, pretentious uh, about what you're drinking. It's just about the enjoyment, you know. I mean, there's a lot of arguments about older whiskey being better and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, there is some out there, you know. I, I have a couple that are ancient and the distilleries don't even exist anymore yeah. and they are amazing. But I don't think that's the guide and route. There's no rules. It doesn't have What's any What's the best way just... to keep it, to keep whiskey? Like, if you're storing these older whiskies, how should you keep them in your house? Um, I mean, your bottles are airtight, so your cork bottles, but I mean, like everything, corks will degrade, and there's a, a, a bit of argument about oxidization once you start getting down to the very lower levels of bottles, because obviously there's more air in the bottle than there is whiskey. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to suppose that once it gets to that stage, but I would, I mean, unless you're keeping it for 30 years, Yeah. I don't know who <laughs> would tell you or how they would tell you. So what dictates what whiskey you drink? So for instance, you, you, you've kind of uh, made us think that you, you've got a nice whiskey collection at home. So uh, for instance, it's Friday night, it's nine o'clock and you just think, well, I've had my dinner, I'm going to sit down, oh, I'm going to have a whiskey. What dictates what you drink? I suppose it's mood, what you've eaten, how you're feeling, you know. I normally kind of think about, well, what do I want? Do I want something quite big and punchy? Do I want something a little bit mellow? Do I want a breakfast whiskey? You know, <laughs> where am I at at that point, you know? And, I mean, obviously what you have is your favourites. I mean, I, I sent my best mate a picture of the whiskies that I'd chosen. She's like, how do you pick your favourite out of that? You love them all. And I was like, yeah, that's a problem. Because they've all come out of my own collection. I own all so yeah but it's yeah it's just whatever mood or what i feel like at the time i mean the fact that i own them i already know that i like them so you know there's not a wrong and in there so it's all uh, good and, and of the five what's your go-to out of the five uh oh that's a hard one um breakfast whiskey wise kind of any time of the day any mood i'd probably say the the nickname which is kind of nuts because it's a brand new yeah. whiskey um, the one that I always have in my collection, without a doubt, I'll always have a Tamdu. It, take, it took me a long time, probably till about last year, to actually admit that was probably my yeah. favourite distillery. Probably is because quite a it's it's a big thing, you of know. You've got a lot of whiskey. 
Um, I always have a Glenfiddich or more than one in my house of some description because I just think it's on the money. It's easily attainable, which I think is super important. Mm. I got in a fight once in a whiskey shop because somebody made, the owner, made a comment that something was a supermarket whiskey and immediately I was like, but what's wrong with that? And he was like, well, you should know you work in the whiskey industry. And I was like, no, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with a whiskey being attainable to people that wouldn't come into my work, that wouldn't come to your shop. Absolutely. Market. Because for me, it's about everybody enjoying it. I was like, so if somebody sees a blended whiskey next to a single malt on a promotion because a supermarket can buy more at a lower price and then decides to drink a single malt to start a beautiful journey. So I have absolutely no issue with whiskey being in supermarkets at all. So yeah, Glenfiddich's always in there. But I mean, I love them all. I, I honestly do. They're all hand-selected. I mean, I asked you to pick one, but you've you've then just reeled off three or four <laughs> of the five <laughs> and said how great they all are. Come on, get off the fence. Get off the fence. Mm, maybe, <laughs> maybe Tam do then if I have to pick. If I have to how, about, how about you then, Shu? What, what would yours be? Number three. Number three. Ah, there you go. Ah, okay. Good shout. Good shout. I, I, I'm torn between one and two. Got to be honest with you. I've really, nice. really am torn between those guys. Um, three was lovely, and and as I say, as in terms of a peaty whiskey, uh, yeah, four, four did the job as well. It was just about the right level for me. So yeah, but probably if you between one and two, it's different. It's difficult. I, I'm, it's a toss up. Did you save some of the whiskey to go back and taste it again? Yeah. 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 Okay. So go back into number one and see what you think now. I want to go back to number three. <laughs> see, if I go back to one now, I'm getting lots of peaches. I'm getting tons of flowers on the nose. It's totally That's opened crazy. up. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I just went back to three. And after finishing that, that Petey one, I'm going back to three. Incredible. <laughs> Sold on the Tamdu. I have got a lovely sense of uh, warm well being in my chest <laughs> right now. <laughs> that lovely warm glow. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Um, Karen, if people want to find out <clears throat> uh, a little bit more um, about what you do and uh, and the society, where can they do that? Um, we have website, smws.co.uk. Um, I work at Queen Street in Edinburgh. If they want to even go back to basics and talk to somebody, just pick up the phone. Um, we have memberships, which mean that you can actually buy whiskey from the society and you can also go in the members room but we also have a public bar on queen street as well so all and sundry is welcome in there too um yeah i'm gonna say karen uh, you're gonna see me up there when when um when covid's over i mean my girlfriend yeah. are desperate to get back to edinburgh and um definitely. and we you know i'm gonna um pop something in my calendar to come and see you guys because uh yeah definitely give me a show honestly oh thanks karen um Normally in the members' bar, I'm sure I can sneak in. It's not a big issue. <laughs> Thank you yeah, so show. much. Very kind. <laughs> We've got 700 bottles of whiskey open at the moment, so oh, you know. Wow. 
<laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's my favourite place on the planet, Scotland, by by a mile. And yeah. uh, and every time I go, always make sure I go home via Edinburgh. And it's just it's just a beautiful city. It really is. And uh, and yeah, I'm, I, I just like the idea of waiting there because it is a bit of a drive. And like, yeah. if I can jump on a plane, I tell you what I did do. Um, not the last time, but the time before. Uh, I've done the, the sleeper train. Have you done that? No. Oh, is it the Caledonian Express? I think yeah, it's called. the Caledonian Express. And, uh, and yeah, got on there. I went went past Edinburgh, actually, and went up to, oh, gosh. Oh, God. Uh, that's probably where went to the Nevis Jew. Where's the Harry Potter kind of viaduct? Where's oh, that? Oh, yeah, the Glen Fort Glen William. Fort William. Yeah. Yeah, so I went up to Fort William, but then come back on there. And, uh, yeah, that's a good way to travel. Going yeah. to, having a little whiskey on the train, then <laughs> going to sleep. Nice. Like going to sleep somewhere in the Midlands and waking up and opening the curtains in your little carriage. And then you just think, oh, <laughs> look at that. There's mountains and stuff. Amazing. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't um, recommend that enough. I'm quite fucking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> My job is done. <laughs> Karen, bear in mind I do these tastings on like 12.30 on a Saturday morning and I remember we've had quite a few raucous nights out where it's been a little bit like some people haven't turned in and then you have to go and do a tasting afterwards. But thankfully, I don't ever get hangover, so it's like, okay. Wow. I'll tell you what I propose. I propose this, that when um, when June comes and if the restrictions are dropped and, and, and we can start to re- you know resume a, a, a nice, happy sort of normality, then... Uh, Chris and I should come up there. We should get we should get the train up or, or, or I'd fly love that, up mate. and and do a and do a top five live. <laughs> oh, that'd be oh, that'd be, that'd be cool. so cool, Shu. Because we we actually um, can we got uh we, we need to go wild swimming and um, I think Scotland would probably be an epic place for that, Stu. Let's let's be honest. So why don't mm. why don't what we could do something like that, couldn't we? Yeah, it'd be nice to swim in, in Loch Ness again, and this time it not just be me uh, in the middle of winter. Saying to my daughter, I don't want to go in. No, I want to go in. I don't want to go in. I want to go in. Are you just going to get in and then scream and I'm going to pick you up? No, I won't do that. And then we went in. And then the minute I got in, she screamed. And I then just held it above my head for ages until we got out. I was like, it's a stick. It's not a monster. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've, it, yeah, Scotland's one of the best places you can have a little wild swim. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I'd be up for that totally. And I mean, it's nice to, these are all core range whiskies, you know. If you get in our place, it's completely different. Cask strength, even more hilarity. Beautiful venue, beautiful city, definitely. Right. Karen, We're thank you so that, much. Yeah. Thanks for this today. Uh, it's been a real, real, real education on a subject that, um, yeah, you know. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And keep drinking highballs, man. I am, um, I'm going to switch over to highballs very, very soon. <laughs> For me, whiskey's like, it's not really a summer drink for me. We used to work in a bar that had like a sun trap out the, in the front and you get all these tourists coming and they'd be sitting sweltering outside on the two days that Scotland's hot. And I'd say to my friend, why are they drinking whiskey in the sunshine like that? Like, fucking horrible. But um, yeah, highballs are definitely the way forward. And if you're not a massive fan of whiskey, it's a great it introduction. It is, absolutely. Yeah. I love a whiskey and ginger ale. I did a really mm. stupid thing, actually. Chris, you'll appreciate this as a vegan. And <laughs> um, I had a load of ginger in my house, and I wasn't going to use it at all. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to make a ginger syrup. 
So I made a ginger syrup to make highballs and my brother was like, that's a really good way to like not waste food. And I was like, yeah, but I also like knuckled three quarters of a bottle of Glen Finn. I need to buy more whiskey because it was very Moorish. <laughs> I might have to try that myself. Yeah, definitely. It's Wonderful. danger though. It is danger, but it's very good. Karen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so yeah, much for your time. And Honestly. Yeah, it's been educational uh, and I'm pissed. So that's a win-win. <laughs> Win-win. Good Wednesday. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, guys. Take care. It's a drunken soiree in the within. <laughs> Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast.